Welcome to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. So glad that you're here to join us today. As I've been telling you, uh, once we finished our series on Bible prophecy last week, I wanted to have some guests join us, and I'm really excited about our guest today, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But I want to say before getting into uh, the subject and introducing our guest, uh, a little bit about the history that kind of leads up to my burden and my uh, love of this subject and the whole uh, idea of what our guest is going to be talking about. And we're going to have him back for several podcasts, actually, so that's really going to be great. When I was first saved back in 84, and I've given my testimony on the podcast, um, my wife and I, you could say by coincidence, I don't believe in coincidence, God led us to... Uh, find a man on TV here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area by the name of Zola Levitt. Oh. And this was in the uh, mid-80s. It was probably less than a year after that my wife and I were saved, a little church in Fort Worth. And, and we started watching this man, Zola Levitt. And he had this program where he was taping live from Israel and teaching the Bible. And he was a Jewish Christian. That was amazing. And he uh, was going through the Gospels and teaching a lot of Old Testament and the Abrahamic Covenant, Davidic Covenant, all these covenants. And, and I really grew to love this aspect that, that our Christian faith is based in Judaism. It's based in the Old Testament. I've always said this. I say it to our people all the time. It's a broken record for me. But I always tell them, you'll never understand the New Testament without a good foundation in the Old and so, uh, in the let me fast forward into the early 90s or so. Uh, I've had on our podcast, uh, Brother Jonathan Stewart, Pastor Jonathan Stewart. He's the executive director of the Norris Bible Baptist Seminary, uh, where I teach and our guest teaches as well. I'll introduce him in a minute. But uh, he got me in contact with a Jewish believer uh, who had been called at that time to start a Jewish ministry, a ministry specifically uh, to promote and to teach uh, Jewish evangelism through God's churches, Baptist churches like uh, our church here. And when I first met Brother Phil uh, through Brother Jonathan Stewart, uh, we were just excited to meet him. We had him come up to our church up in Ohio where I pastored in Columbus he was one of our earliest missionaries that we took on. Not the first one, but one of the few. And I think his ministry, and I'm going to have him tell you some things about it, started in the early 90s. Uh, and we took him on for support. And since then, Brother Phil Zawalowski and I have become good friends. And he and his wife, uh, Debbie, Deb we call her, uh, have gotten together a lot with my wife, Darlene. And we just enjoy the fellowship. But I thought I really would love to have Brother Phil uh, come and give you, first of all, his testimony. And so, first of all, let me just say to, to you, Brother Phil, welcome to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. We're Thank so you. glad that you're with us. And I've heard your testimony, and a lot of other people who know you have heard it, but I wanted our audience to hear it. So, today, why don't you just begin by telling us, you know, as far as you want to go into the detail, uh, your upbringing in a Jewish home, how you came to belief in Jesus as the Messiah, and your own salvation. Go ahead, brother. Well, let me start. Let's go back to you talking about Zola. Yeah, Zola Levitt. Yeah. Well, I was saved in 1972. Mm. And when I got saved uh, at a uh, Baptist church in uh, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida. Wow. And I'd been saved almost a year. Uh-huh. And I don't laugh. <laughs> but 
I thought I was the only Jew that had been saved since <laughs> Jesus. Well, <laughs> and I, walked I can in, understand why you thought that way. And I went into a Baptist bookstore. Wow. And there was Zola's book, What's a Nice Jewish Boy Like? Uh, Jewish boy doing at the First Baptist Church. Wow, I didn't even know you had a book like that. Yeah, but that was <laughs> that's interesting. Book. And I thought, and the first thing that went to my mind was, you mean there are other Jewish believers out there? That and is so, uh, great. Um, it's uh, Zola, and I got to uh, meet and talk with Zola. Oh, I wish I'd have got to meet ago. him. Never did get a chance to meet him. Uh, but uh, anyway, I grew up in a, um, we call it a concert orthodox home. Explain uh, what that means. Well, that's conservative and orthodox. Oh, it's not okay. orthodox, but it's not conservative. It's kind of between. Okay. It's kind of like uh, like we Baptists, we have a fundamental, independent, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, heaven-loving, uh, sin-hating Baptists. Yeah. And then you got the uh, Southern Baptists. Yeah, yeah. And then you got the All Northern kinds of flavors, Baptists. Yeah. yeah so, so forth. So, right. uh, so we were contra-orthodox. That means we, uh, we were religious to a degree. Uh, but then we weren't super orthodox like we look at it today. Now, uh, so I was raised, I was the youngest of uh, three children, and uh, my sister was the oldest, and uh, she today is still alive. She uh, is a, she's retired, but she teaches at a Christian, uh, Christian, excuse me, she teaches at a Jewish uh, school. She's the principal. Hmm. Uh, my brother, uh, Shlomo, um, he changed his real name. His name was, given name was Stephen, and that my dad and mom gave him, he changed it to his Hebrew name, Shlomo. I was going to say, that doesn't sound a uh, regular English American name. No, no. Shlomo, <laughs> I can, I and uh, Shlomo, he uh, was a Orthodox Lubavitch uh, rabbi. And, and explain uh, Lubavitch for, I know what you're talking about, so our audience again, knows. Lubavitch is a group, when you say Orthodox, it's like saying, well, okay, what does that mean? There are many different groups out there that consider themselves Orthodox. And Lubavitch, it was a famous rabbi called the Messiah Rabbi, and Mendelssohn, and he uh, um, he was uh, the leader of Lubavitch. Uh, we would, in the Bible ta- times, would have called him a Pharisee. Yes. So that's uh, okay. just kind of very, Good. very, very religious, but for the man of the street. The Pharisees were the men of the street. The Sadducees were the more liberal but they controlled the temple worship. Right, right. And so, uh, um, and then there was other groups as well, just like there is today. So, uh, so I was raised in that, uh, in that type of environment. We yes. attended uh, the synagogue. I was uh, bar mitzvahed at the age of uh, uh, 13, which is typical uh, in that time period. And uh, the bar mitzvah, um, you have to actually preach a message. Wow. Uh, so uh, 13 years old, and you're in front of a, yeah. a large group of people. That's kind of and, unnerving, isn't it? Yes. Uh, the good news is uh, they gave you your sermon. It's oh, kind of like my wife well. gives me my sermon today. No, not really. <laughs> but uh, um, they uh, give you a somewhat. You pick the verse. And uh, mine was a lamp upon my feet, lighting our path. Mm. And, um, of course, I was soon to find out who that lamp was. Amen. Now, to me... I was, even though we were a concert, orthodox home, um, I was into uh, sports. Uh, The truth of the matter is, sports was my God, little G. I didn't smoke. I didn't chew. I didn't go with girls who do. Not because I thought (laughs) it was wrong, but because you could not do those things and play sports. Now, people look at me and go, really? You know, I'm five foot, back then I was five foot 
150 pounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, Satan has a way of, especially when it comes to sports. There's people there that think they're going to go pro and they don't have the size. And so right. uh, I played football. and uh, But I was a typical, and so when do you have your football games? Friday night, which right. means you don't attend the synagogue. So uh, we attended, and off-season I would attend as well. But uh, to me, uh, I was more enthralled with sports and, uh, and, and things of that nature. And uh, now my brother got very, very religious when he was in, before he was bar mitzvahed. And so he went and lived with my grandfather, who was a, a leader in the synagogue. And so mm. he spent the whole summer there with them and preparing for his bar mitzvah. And, and that happens at what age? 13. Right, okay. Um, Jesus was never bar mitzvahed. He was, the Bible says he was 12 when he got left behind by mom and dad. They right. came back and he was in the synagogue uh, <laughs> talking about him. But that wasn't his bar mitzvah. That's 18, 1850s, 1890s, somewhere in that nature. Uh, the, the bar mitzvah, that's when you technically become a man. And that's more mean, of recent history than the, yeah, the bit, it's bar recent. mitzvah practices was yeah. made. You have to have uh, 10 men to have a service in the synagogue. You can have a 1,000 women, but if you don't have 10 men, you have a, a shorten, and then you all have to leave. Mm. So you have to have 10 men. It's based on a congregation of 10. They were the, you remember the uh, uh, spies um, uh, went into the land to, to look for it, and the Bible calls them a congregation. Mm. And so based on that rabbinical teaching, they say, okay, you must have 10 men. So then how do you come up with who is counted as a man? Hence the bar mitzvah, 13 years of age. Now you're counted as a man. So um, anyhow, um, so I was, uh, again, sports was everything to me. I, I did that. But at the age of 13, I went through what was supposed to be, and I uh, was bar mitzvah. Again, it didn't mean a lot uh, that much to me, but uh, I was like more in sports. So let's go a little farther. And um, I was the captain of the junior undefeated junior varsity in high school. Hmm. And it came ninth grade. I was the only freshman on the high school varsity uh, football. I was the only freshman to actually start. And uh, I even played both offense and defense. But homecoming night, I get hurt. Oh, and boy. Uh, the doctor had said, uh, and it's a long story of after I got hurt, trying to get released from the hospital because you're underage. Mm. My mom and dad were not there. But anyhow, um, the doctor looked at me and said, uh, hey, look, Phil, uh, you're five foot five, 150 pounds. Uh, you need to stop playing football. <laughs> so I played baseball and hurt my shoulder there as well, and oh, I excelled boy. in that as well. But uh, um, track... So I did all those things, so I had to quit playing football. And so at the time, uh, I was dating a girl without my parents' permission. Mm. She was a Gentile, and uh, I met her at school. And uh, of course, I wasn't allowed to date her because she wasn't Jewish, so I dated her uh, without my parents knowing our permission. Right. And so I was at the hospital, I'm hurt, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, my mom looks at me and said, hey, there's a girl out in the waiting room. Do you know who she is? Oh, boy. And, of course, you know what you say. You're um, uh, 13-year-old yeah. and you're trying to lie quick. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, quick yeah. lie. And so I looked at her and said, ah, uh, she must be a fan because every <laughs> sports star has fans. And so uh, I don't That's think it, she bought for it. a good a 13-year-old. Yeah. So anyway, uh, um, no longer able to play sports. Um, I did what any good Jew does. I went back to the synagogue and... 
Uh, it, I did what was required of me and attended every time we supposed to attend. And um, the, the problem is, just like anything else, religion um, will make you look good on the outside, mm-hmm. but it won't, won't change the inward heart. That's right. And so, yeah, I started behaving, uh, this, that, and the other, but uh, inside I was uh, hurting. Mm. And that girl that I was had been dating, uh, she was a, a Christian, mm. and she was the first one to tell me about Jesus. Wow. I always tell everybody there was probably 25 churches in a three-mile radius. I'd never heard the gospel. And that's Jews don't listen to the radio mm. as a whole. They don't listen to, uh, they don't go to churches. And the only way a Jew typically hears the gospel is you got to give it to them. you got to share it with them, yeah. And so um, she was the first one to tell me about Jesus. And so uh, I began reading the Bible. Mm. Uh, if you're witnessing to someone, Jew or Gentile, your job is to encourage them to read the Bible. Amen. It's the Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. Right. Not my stories, not yep. your stories. I'm glad for the stories but it's the Word of God that does the work. Amen. And so I began reading the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. Mm. And at the end of almost a year of reading the Bible, I finally came to the conclusion, after I finished the New Testament, I came to the conclusion that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Let me interject something, a question here, uh, because at least us Gentile believers may have this feeling in our hearts. Were you antagonistic? Were you uh, kind of, did you have a negative feeling about the New Testament? It was the first time you ever had read the New Testament. Uh, was your girlfriend uh, able to convince you that it was the Word of God too? How did you feel about jumping into the New Testament for the first time? Strange, but the same matter of fact, I actually went to the rabbi. Oh, yeah. And my rabbi, I said, uh, Rabbi, uh, um, what do these verses in the New Testament mean? There was verses... Uh, uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, Micah 5, 2, Isaiah 53, other verses like that. And he looked at me and said, well, you must understand uh, David. My Hebrew name is Chaim David ben Altram Yaakov. Wow. And uh, uh, Chaim David, life of David. So he looked at me and said, David, you must understand the Old Testament. Jews don't call it Old Testament. They call it the Tanakh or the uh, Hebrew scriptures. And he said, you must understand the Hebrew scriptures are for the Jew and the New Testament's for the Gentiles. And I'd already read the New Testament and it's all about Israel and the Jewish people. And so I I didn't buy the argument, but he then turned around and walked away. Okay. And so I I had nothing negative with the gospel or the New Testament. Interesting. Uh, prob- probably naivety might have been. I'm 13. Yeah. yeah, didn't know any better uh, anyway. I, I played with Christians. I played with uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, good. Gentiles and never really thought twice, to be honest with you. Um, that's a good point. Uh, most Jews, Reformed, Conservative, they're a Jew, maybe in name only to yeah. some extent. It's who they are nationally was. I identify as a Jew. I still identify as a Jew. Right. I'm Amen. a saved Jew. I didn't lose my nationality when That's I got right. saved. That's right. Um, Good point. Uh, there's neither Jew or Greek, bond or female or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. That Amen. speaks of relationship. Right. Because if I lost who I was a Jew, when it says male or female, 
that's where the gay lesbian group has their removing the yeah. uh, that they side say of you things. lose your gender yes you? exactly so we still have that uh, understanding of scripture so to me I wasn't negative Good. and uh, read the New Testament and um, Good. came to the conclusion he's the Messiah but then my question was so what mm. uh, I'm a Jew Bible says a Jew is the apple of God's eye why do I need a savior Jews don't look at it. They said that John the Baptist is not uh, Abraham our father. Mm-hmm. Said the same thing to Jesus. They said that back then, and they say that today. Mm. Uh, the Jews don't see a need for salvation. Uh, uh, they see all they want to be is a good Jew. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Help your mom and dad, and uh, do the best you can. Mm. That's basically all it comes down to. Mm. Uh, now the real Orthodox, they get real. Uh, uh, Studying the Talmud and the, uh, the the commentaries and and following the exact rules that uh, the rabbis have laid down. Right. Uh, but um, besides the Orthodox, most of them just it's it's a nationalized where you, you go to the synagogue, you, you meet your people, you greet people, their friends, that family type things, and that's it. Never saw it as a faith. Mm-hmm. Um, when they look themselves, they call themselves the chosen people. What does that mean? Well, chosen means. Their view, the Jewish view, as well. It means wherever God is, he chose us. We're going to be where he is. No. Chosen means God chose Israel for three reasons. One, that the Messiah would come through the Jew. Amen. Two, that the word of God would come through the Jewish people. Right. That's why both Old and New Testament, I submit to you every writer on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God used a Jew And yes, that includes the book of Luke. He was a Jew, Hellenistic, but Jew. Anyhow, that's another discussion if you want to have. uh, But anyhow, uh, they're all Jews, and God, uh, Romans 2 says the oracle of God was given to the Jews. I rest my case. Right. So, um, the uh, uh, and the third reason, uh, the first one was Messiah come through. The second one was that the uh, inspiration God would use a Jew. And the third one's Israel was supposed to be a lighthouse. They were supposed to be the, uh, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. Right. Isaiah 42 speaks of. They were supposed to uh, tell others the good news of God, Yahweh, uh, Elohim, um, and uh, uh, Shem. Hebrew name mean, uh, Shem means name. And the coming Messiah, the promised Messiah. That's what the whole Isaiah, uh, the uh, uh, Genesis uh with Abraham offering, Genesis 22, Abraham offering Isaac on Mount Moriah. Um, uh, that's why uh, uh, he thought that God would raise Isaac back up, mm-hmm. and he would be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so that's the key to that to witnessing the Jewish people, in my view, is they've got to see that not only is Yahweh God, but that the promised Messiah was come uh, that would take away the sin of the world. And it wasn't any shock that uh, that Jesus had to die, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, take away the sin of the world. Right. The Lamb was sacrificed there in Exodus 12, the whole Passover, mm-hmm. that he died on the cross. And so all this is uh, pre-picturing, is, is fulfilling that promise of the Messiah. So Amen. where the Jewish people will miss it is mainly that they see God, and but missing the promised Messiah. Now they talk about Messiah today, but they'll normally use it and refer it to as a messianic age, a time of peace, 
uh, we would use the word millennial kingdom. Without stressing the person more the period. Mag no person. Matter of yeah. fact, up until the 11th century A.D., the Messiah was always an individual. Mm. By the time 11th century AD, AD came in, what happened was that's when a lot of the kings for sport would have debates with rabbis versus uh, some uh, uh, a Catholic priest. Mm. And so they began to move away from a person of Isaiah 53 to an age. And so in time period-wise, that was where the moving, finally, the rabbinical also had taken over control of what, the, who, what does the Word of God teach? Right. Uh, we look at it and say, hey, I can read the Word of God. I can teach it. But in Judaism, no, you have to follow what the rabbis have written, and you must stand on their views and not your own views. Who are you? Right. How are you greater than uh, certain scholars, and so to speak? So that's how Judaism works and how they control everything to a lot of extent, because you must follow what the rabbis teach. So back to my testimony, uh, um, she was the first one. So I began reading the Word of God, came to the conclusion he's the Messiah. Praise the Lord. I thought, great, but what does that got to do with me? Yeah. I'm a Jew. Why do I need a Savior? And so I put the Bible down, and the school started back up. And um, uh, this, uh, they were back to school. I went to a public school. And um, I heard two of the guys who I played sports on the all-star team in baseball, and they were talking and I heard them mentioning that they were going to um, uh, see, uh, go listen to a man by the name of Nicky Cruz and a cross and a switchblade. This would have been in 1972. Mm. And uh, I looked at, I heard them talking about Nicky Cruz, cross and switchblade, and all of a sudden that name popped into my mind. Because a year er earlier, before I got hurt, before I couldn't play anymore, I was a captain, like I said, and I got hurt. Uh, I, before I got hurt, uh, I was in uh, the class at school, in public school, and the teacher asked the class, how many of y'all would like to get out of school to go see a movie? Raise your hand. Of course, what self-respecting yeah, yeah. uh, kid wouldn't raise your hand? You got to go see a movie? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Instead of going to class, of course. Exactly. So I don't know how this, like I said, public school, we went to see The Cross and the Switchblade Wow. with Nikki Cruz. What a change in public schools from then until now. <laughs> yeah, but even then, it meant, didn't mean a whole lot to me, truthfully, because I was the captain of the uh, undefeated junior varsity. I was going to be going to, uh, uh, to the varsity right away, and, and uh, the world was my oyster. I was healthy, no problems. Right, right. Great, uh, uh, great movie, but uh, was it? who cares? Well, then I, meet, I got hurt not much longer after that, couldn't play, began reading the Word of God, and then all of a sudden uh, I hear two guys talking, and this, their church was going to see the, cross, the Nikki Cruz speak. And so I jumped in the conversation. I said, Nikki Cruz? The cross and the switchblade? You mean it's true? And the guy that was talking, now I didn't know it, <laughs> he was a PK, he was a preacher's kid, okay. didn't know that. He had been on our all-star team, he was a, pitch, a pitcher, we called him Bunster, Bunster. Buster, Buster Thompson. Uh. Buster, because when he pitched, he loved to bust you inside with the pitch. Yeah. So that's what uh, we knew him as Buster. That's why I called him. Everybody called him that. And so I said, Nicky Cruz, you mean it's true? He goes, yeah, we're going to go see him. Would you like to come? I said, well, where are you meeting? He said, well, we're going to meet at our church. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to any church. Uh, Jews don't go to church. I mean, I'm not going to church. He said, well, we're just going to be on the outside. Uh, we're going to meet in the parking lot, and we're going to Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. Wow. And uh, uh, 
uh, you're, you're welcome to come. And so I said, uh, okay, got the time. It was a Friday night. And uh, I, I ended up not going to the synagogue that uh, Friday night. Huh. And uh, my mom and dad worked the job and things of that nature. And so um, I thought, why not? And so I went on the bus, got to there and got on the bus. And we go to Clearwater, Florida. And uh, the um, auditorium, I, I don't, they've torn it down since. I don't remember how big it was. It was a good size, but it was packed. Wow. It was packed so bad huh. that we had to be in a side room. And they showed it on closed circuit. TV. Wow. That's 1972. That's a big thing back then. Yeah, not much technology, and that was something. Yeah. So uh, evidently the church where they were good Baptists because they, we got there late because they were already, he was already speaking. Mm. I don't remember any music. And so we got there, and um, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to him, Nicky Cruz, speak. If you don't know who Nicky Cruz is, he was a, uh, a man by the uh, David Wilkerson, uh, preacher went to the gangs of New York back in the mid '60s and put his life on the line many times and witnessed to many of the gang leaders. Mm. And he ended up winning the worst of the worst, which was Nicky Cruz, and he did some pretty bad things as a gang leader. Mm. So, uh, um, uh, so Nicky Cruz is speaking uh, after uh, um, in, in, up on the Coliseum. Yeah, and uh, I listened to what he had to say. And the only thing I really remember to this day, I really don't remember anything else. Yeah. But I remember this one statement, I've never forgotten it since, uh, even with my poor memory now. I remember him saying <laughs> that Paul said in Timothy that he was the chief of sinners. Yeah. And if Paul was the chief of sinners, then he, Nicky Cruz, was second in command. Mm. And that's when I realized, I came to understand, though I was a Jew, the apple of God's eye, understood the promised Messiah of Jesus coming. Why did I need a Savior? And that's realized the sinfulness of myself, who I was as a Jew. I was still a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen. And so I remember going forward, and uh, someone spoke with me, uh, and I uh, accepted Christ as my Savior. I mm. asked the Lord forgive my sins. Mm. And uh, we had prayer and uh, got back on the bus to go back home. And um, they were singing um, Christian songs. Now, when wow. we went up there, they were singing Christian songs. I didn't sing. Yeah. But on the way back, I always remember the one song I sang, Do Lord. Do Lord. Yeah. Do you remember me? Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know why. I thought, but hey, I'm a believer now. I can sing that song. <laughs> so I uh, got back house, and uh, not, I'm sure they invited me to church. I can't imagine them not inviting me yeah. to church, but the truth matters, I really don't remember. Yeah. All I remember is that Sunday going to church for the first time. Now, you have to understand, I'm 13 years, I'm sorry, uh, I'm, uh, um, uh, by this now, I'm uh, uh, 15, and um, uh, 13 was bar mitzvah, yeah. I'm now uh, almost a 16, Okay. I just got my driver's license, Okay. and uh, 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 so I borrowed the car, Dad, I'm going to go, uh, um, it was a Sunday morning, and uh, scared to death, didn't know what was going to happen, Um um, I thought of uh, stories I'd heard about uh, people rolling down the aisle in a church and bats flying around. <laughs> and uh, uh, actually, I, we laugh about that, but I was actually in a church in uh, Oklahoma. And after I preached and we were in the back, all of a sudden heard a kapow, and we go out there, and there was a bat that flew in. 
And oh. the preacher had a, wow. uh, a gun, air gun or something, and, and killed it. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess you could it does have, happen. It does happen, yes. So anyway, but we laugh about it. So I get to the church, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, again, makings of a good Baptist. I, I'm, I'm going to get there late and sneak into the back seat. Uh, of course, I was young back then. I didn't know that uh, if you want to sit, sit in the back, you have to come early. Yeah, that's right. But you learn those things as <laughs> yeah. you grow in grace, right? Right, right. And so uh, my first thought was, okay, um, I'll leave the car running, and then I'll go into the church. If they start chasing me, uh, I'll run to the car because I was in pretty good condition there <laughs> and uh, peel off, and you know they'll never catch me. But then I thought, no, if I leave the car running, someone might steal it. Dad get mad. Yeah. So I locked it up as tight as a drum. Everything was airtight. And then I made a kind of escape route, and I thought, well, if they touch my car, I'll call the police on them. <laughs> so uh, I know the preacher's already preaching because you can see the window, and he was up on the pulpit. And so I walk in uh, very uh, nervous and trepid what's going to take place. And, yeah. Uh, I open the door to go into the, uh, go into the church, and all of a sudden some over-anxious usher comes running up going, uh, <laughs> Hello, brother! It's good to see you. We were praying you'd be here this morning. Scared me to death. I mean to tell you, if I'd been a cat, I'd been on the roof. But despite all that, I went ahead and opened the door and walked down uh, so many rows. I don't remember how middle of the auditorium, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, he continued preaching. And then at the invitation, he uh, said, uh, if you've accepted Christ your Savior, you need to follow the Lord's uh, um, uh, in baptism. And I'd like for you to come forward. And so I never understood people that won't argue with the pastor. Mm. Uh, he knows more Bible than I do. <laughs> and so I went forward uh, publicly proclaiming my uh, salvation. And uh, I began attending church every time the doors were open. Amen. Now, why would I do that? In Jewish evangelism, especially today with a lot of other groups, I'm not trying to put the other groups down, but they'll say to you, a Jew won't come to your church. That's true as a whole, but a saved Jew ought to want to go. Amen. That's where the else difference. is the Word of God being taught? Right, right. So I began, that's where the Word of God's taught. So I began attending church every time the doors were open. Of course, the problem is, how do you leave your house Sunday morning uh, with, with your parents not knowing? And yeah. uh, I would sneak out my jeans and T-shirt, and I had enough understanding if you're in God's house, you should wear your best. And so mm. I would put on a nicer shirt and... Um, uh, and all that, mm. but uh, I thought my parents didn't know. I found out 30, 40 years later that my parents knew I was attending a Baptist church. Wow. How did I know that? Well, how did I find that out? There was a lady in this church. Well, let me get to the rest of the part. So I've been yeah. attending every time the doors okay. were open, and uh, finally after about uh, two months, the pastor came up and says, Brother, uh, Brother Phil, I think it's time that you uh, follow in the Lord's baptism. I said, yes, sir, be glad to. So that Sunday night, I was gloriously baptized. Amen. Unbeknownst to me, there was a lady in that church who worked with my mom. Wow. She was actually my mom and dad's best friend. Oh, wow. They were both in Toastmasters, and, and the, the, her husband got with my dad, and, the, and my mom and the lady would go to Toastmistress, I think it's called, and uh, practically every week. Mm. And I didn't know this. Yeah. So... Uh, she, after I was baptized that uh, Sunday night, uh, she tells my mom, and she'd been telling my mom I would have been attending church, but now she tells my mom that how nice to see 
your son attend church every time the doors were open, and it was sure nice to see him get baptized well, last night. That was a big deal. So, um, yes, in Judaism, that is a very big deal. Mm. And so that Monday, um, of course, you know, I came home after baptized. Monday, she's told this at work. And I come home typical, like 3, 3.30 from school, like normal, get off the bus, walk home. And the first thing I notice is my brother and sister, their cars weren't there. So I immediately went, okay, we're where they're at. And the second thing I noticed was dad was home. Dad's never home at 3 o'clock. Mm. Dad don't get home till 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I opened the door and walk in, and there was my mom and my dad. They were sitting at the table, and in, on the table was the Bible I had bought. Uh, now, don't think bad of me, but it was a living Bible. <laughs> but when <laughs> you first right. saved, that's all you yeah, know. Yeah, you don't know any better, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I can tell you when I threw that away, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, but that you don't until you learn some things. So anyway, um, and so we had a nice calm conversation for three hours. I'm joking. Mm, it, was, yeah. uh, it was a knockdown wow. uh, fight. And mm. finally, my dad, in very, very had enough, said, okay, Phil, you've got to make a decision. Either you come back in the synagogue and go through certain traditions that um, the rabbis have written that any value you've ever made can be wiped away. It's mm. basically reject or repudiate what you had done. Yeah. Well, the vow is this. This prayer is supposed to be so powerful that you have to be careful. If you're married, it will dissolve the marriage vow. That's how oh, powerful it is. Goodness. Supposedly, is. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, or you're gonna have to leave home. Mm. I'm 16. Wow. Part-time job. No, very little Bible. What What am I supposed to do? So I remember walking out the door. And began praying, and and I'm praying, and I'm crying, and I'm praying, and basically saying, anytime, Lord, mm. don't ask me. I've had many people ask me, well, what were you thinking the Lord would do? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> like Constantine, where he saw the yeah. arrow and the uh, yeah. and go the cross forth, in the cross, sky, yeah. this cross in the sky, yeah. so it was go forth. You know, I don't know. Conquering this name. Yes, yeah. I'm 16. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I knew was the, wow. the fleece. You know. Uh, putting out the fleece, you know. So what fleece are you going to put out? I don't know. So I just said, well, okay. And I walked and I prayed until I was exhausted. And I went to where I played sports. It wasn't far, probably a mile from my house. I'd gone many times to the youth center where I played sport, football and all. And uh, it was starting. Of course, it started off, we probably finished up at 5. It was probably about 7 now, 8, getting dark. And so I sat underneath this tree. It was getting a little dark, and so I thought, man, I'm exhausted. So I sat down and um, listen, I don't know what I was expecting. It just any time, Lord. And I uh, felt something on my leg and brushed it off and sitting there talking, thinking, Lord, what to do. And felt some on my leg again, brushed it off again. And finally, I jumped up and looked. I sat right in the middle of the ant pile. Oh, goodness. And I'm screaming, yelling, put, trying to get these ants off me. <laughs> and I run to the other side of the youth center sat under a tree there, felt something in my leg again. I thought, man, I got to get to higher ground. And there was a, a slide, you know, swing set and slide. Mm -hmm. So I climbed up on the slide. And, um, of course, uh, that's higher ground. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. ants up there. Yeah. 
And uh, I hadn't been there. What he'd done, he'd taken me from one side of the youth center all the way to the other side, right by the parking lot. That's what he had done. Okay. And I hadn't been up on the slide very long when um, I heard someone in the parking lot, some guy singing. It's probably about 9 o'clock, something like that. Mm. Maybe a little later. Dark already. Dark, dark, yeah. And he's singing with a guitar. Mm. And I'm not really paying attention at first, and it got my attention again, and heard him singing again. And finally, uh, you know, kind of like a curiosity, what's this guy singing? I get a little closer. Now, I didn't know it, but they were gospel songs. Mm. And so uh, I walked up closer, and he finished singing a couple songs with his guitar, and he put his guitar down. And he began to give his testimony, how just about a year, year and a half ago, he had gotten saved. Wow. But his wife wasn't saved. Hmm. And so when problems arose at home, he would go to the youth center every blue moon, so to speak, and praise the Lord for his salvation, pray for his, his wife to get saved, hmm. and just worship the Lord. Amen. Now, I never said a word to the guy, hmm. not one word. To know mm. what to say. I was so impacted what he was doing, what he said in his testimony. Yeah. It was at that moment, 16 years of age, part-time job. Now, don't take it wrong. My parents loved me. I was treated very, very well. wasn't mistreated in any way. Amen. We were all sure. close family. Right. A loving family. But I knew then, as he gave his testimony... That was my answer. I knew that 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 what had happened in my life was real. Amen. And that if God would save me, mm. he would take care of me. Amen. That's great. And so I remember walking back home, walking in. I asked to borrow the car for one day, and I took what little I had, and I'd been saving my part-time job to buy my own car, of course, that money came in handy. I uh, rented a one-bedroom efficiency apartment. Mm. And at 16, uh, at years, 16 of age. years of age. Wow. And uh, a junior in high school. Wow. And um, left home. Wow. And it's one of those things where I've looked back, what could I have done differently? And to be honest with you, there's nothing I could have. Uh, I was basically... Um, in Jewish faith, when someone leaves the faith um, in an Orthodox home, they actually have a funeral. And I found out not much later that mm. my grandmother had given my dad money for a funeral. Wow. But then dad said he's not going to waste good money on a bad kid and kept the money. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's mm. you're not worth it. Uh, money's yeah. more important than you. Mm. So, um, I never saw my dad again. He passed away some, um, uh, I think it was eight, nine years later. Wow. And uh, uh, I've seen my mom, and she's gone, uh, she's passed away as well. She passed away about six, eight years ago. I saw my mom maybe four or five times in the 40 plus years. Um, Did she still have you know, bad feelings about your salvation? Was that ever reconciled, at least for her to understand your faith? It, she never wanted to understand. I actually sent a letter to her one time telling her about my faith, why yeah. I came to faith and the scriptures and all. 
And she just said, well, I gave it to the rabbis, and they said, no, nah, you're wrong mm. in the discussion. They, they, the typical Jewish home ignores it. Okay. That's the best. When you witness to them, we Jews don't do that. Mm. I'm a Jew. You're a Gentile. If I believe like you, I'm no longer a Jew. I'm a Gentile. I, I like being a Jew. So that's how they normally handle it. And I normally see. won't get into any type of Bible discussion uh, whatsoever, unless you get Orthodox Jew. And that's a little different story. But it's like anything else. It's who you talk with. Right. But right. Uh, um, most Jews have very little Bible knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, they just say, well, the rabbi says and leaves it, leave it at that. Um, well, Brother Phil, since we're down to about our last five minutes or so, why don't you just end by, that's an uh, excellent testimony, just very uh, riveting. <clears throat> why don't you kind of sum up what happened from then? I, I know the story, but so our people will know. Here you are, young 16-year-old, new uh, believer, Jewish, have to leave home, renting an apartment. Give us the uh, brief version of, I know what happened later. Uh, you're called into ministry, got married, you had children of your own. Give us a summary of how God has worked and even end by telling us about your ministry. Let me quick verse that I always, sure. my life's verse, and everyone that, Matthew 19, 29, and everyone that had forsaken houses mm. or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, and this is the key here, for my namesake Amen. shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Of course, it says receive a hundredfold. Mm. Uh, I always like to jokingly say that hundredfold really means thousandfold in the Greek. I'm joking. <laughs> it means hundredfold. But I've been blessed. I have a beautiful wife. That's great. I have two kids who are serving the Lord. Amen. Five grandkids. That's uh, Lord is blessed. Uh, um, we, uh, I went on to Bible college. That's where I met my wife. Wonderful. Uh, and we've been married now, be 47 years, 48 years this December. Mm. And uh, the Lord has been so good. That's Praise why I jokingly God. say about the hundredfold. <laughs> You've got uh, a thousand. I've, I always jokingly say <laughs> a thousandfold. Uh, uh, but uh, um, um, when I went to Bible college in my first year, um, um, uh, there was a I don't know if it was a revival who was preaching. It was somebody who was preaching. And yeah. Lord burned me that uh, uh, a twofold calling when I went forward uh, at, the, at the church. Uh, my first one was that uh, uh, I wanted to uh, be in the ministry full-time, a Jewish evangelism ministry. Amen. Where I seek to reach Jewish people through uh, the church. That's Amen. Very, it's very important through the church. There's many big, good, great ministries and I appreciate all of them. Right, They're right. not my enemies. Right. But I'm a local church man. I believe Amen. it's a local church. Amen. That Christ has commissioned to reach the lost, both uh, Jew and Gentile. And so that's we right. work with churches. Good. Uh, and so that's a key, a doctrinal key of our ministry. And then the second one was to teach at a Bible college. Um, and it's interesting now, for the last five years, I've been teaching at a Bible college. And um, it's amazing um, to see God answered prayers, so mm. many different prayers uh, that I've had answered. I remember in graduate school, I have a master's uh, from Grace Theological Seminary, and I'll never forget because one of the things I remember going to school, I had to work a job. I had a wife. I had a child. Uh, mm. I had no money, and we were broke <laughs> as chipmunks, you know, uh, uh, mouth uh, in a church. Yeah. And um, I saw guys going to graduate school, and they, they got VA loans, all kind of stuff, and they could study all the time. Wow. And I was so jealous. <laughs> and I thought, of course. Oh, I wish I could just spend all that time studying. I was lucky to 
one o'clock and I get home at night and my yeah. son's up there. I'm trying to stay and write. My son's grabbing my pen. Mm. I'll still never forget that. You know, mm. and, 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 all. and what's so interesting wow. is about six months ago, the Lord brought that memory back. And, and now look, that's why all I do is study the scriptures. I'll, I'll, it's always been time uh, to writing and preparing and teaching. And uh, it's nothing but full-time teaching. So it was just to me, uh, um, uh, so many answered Praise prayer God. that you uh, like thyself in the Lord, and the Lord should give you the um, desires, of heart. desires of your heart. And so uh, just so many things uh, that the That's Lord has great. been so good. And Amen. I've been so blessed. Uh, no, I never was able to get back in any relationship with my mm. parents. They've mm. gone. But my sister, because my brother passed away, my sister at uh, his uh, funeral, I was asked to come. Mm. I did. Amen. And she has kind of opened up to me a little bit. Praise and God. even uh, my son's, my son's, my brother's uh, um, oldest daughter has uh, talked with me a little bit. Good. And um, so it's slow. You have to understand. Sure, sure. And, uh, but uh, I praise the Lord for what little I can do. Amen. But what does it profit for a man to gain his whole world and lose his soul? That's I love right. my family and all, but uh, my salvation is Amen. Uh, the Amen. most important. Amen. Brother Phil, that's been great. This has been what a wonderful testimony. And, you know, I, I have so much I'd like to say, but our time's run out. I just want to say this one thing about uh, when God saves a person, he changes their life. And, and that is really yeah. what's come through with Brother Phil's testimony. Uh, what uh, sacrifices he had to make, what God put him through, but it was all God working to bring him where he is today. And he's been such a great blessing to our family, our church. We support him here as one of our missionaries. Olive Tree Ministry is just a very a successful ministry going to churches and, and teaching Jewish evangelism. So what we're going to do in the next few weeks, uh, Brother Phil is going to be on the podcast. And I've asked him to choose a subject uh, uh, among many that he teaches on to give us some really uh, specific uh, information about our Jewish faith, the the Old Testament, uh, things that, that many Christians, uh, frankly, Gentile Christians like myself, uh, take for granted or do not know and do not properly uh, uh, bring together between the Old and New Testament. So we're looking forward to that. Brother Phil, thank you for coming today. What a blessing it's sure. been to have you. Uh, let me close with our same motto we always do, conviction for truth and compassion for people. God bless you. Thank you for listening.